I did law for five years. It's something that you earn more, of course, and it's something that, if you think about it, is a more prestigious job. But at the end of the day, for me, at least, what's important is that you are happy with your life. And I can honestly say that whenever I had to wear a suit and a tie, I was felt like I had to to play a role that it wasn't really myself. It was yes. lawyers, well, yeah. And now I'm able to go to my office with my longboard and uh, shorts and tennis shoes. And I'm just having time of my life. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. If you'd like to support episodes like this being made, please check out the show's Patreon page at patreon.com slash halfhourintern. And for those of you that have not already heard, the show is now partnered with Virgin Airlines. If you are on a Virgin American flight, you will be able to see Half Hour Intern on any flight in North America on Virgin American. I would love it if you would take a photo and send it to me, either email or uh, just like Tag me on Instagram or something like that. If you happen to be on a Virgin America flight, you got to take a photo for me because uh, I just moved to Phoenix, Arizona, and they do not fly out of Phoenix, Arizona. So there's like no way for me to see this. So please, please take a photo and send it to me so I can uh, like share it with my friends and family, and I'll post it on the Half Hour Intern Instagram and stuff like that. Um, anyways, on to today's episode. In it, I interview Joe Moriera, who is a... Uh, a manager for the customer support team for a travel website. So um, he is the person that manages a team of people that handles phone calls when they have problems, basically. So if you ever called in for customer support for anything, which I'm sure most of us have, um, it's you're usually like not your most pleasant self when you're calling to get help for something that has gone wrong. So that is what Joe has to deal with is people like us who are not very happy with something that is going on. Something really interesting about Joe, um, but he says that this is more and more the way things are in that world now. Um, so w- Joe works in Berlin. He's from Portugal, um, but he went to law school. He was a lawyer for five years, and then he just stopped practicing law, moved to Berlin to do this. Uh, well, he moved to Berlin for love. He talks about all these different things in, in the interview. But um, anyways, he just never really felt quite like he could be himself when he was practicing law and he felt um, kind of like mechanical and like he was just playing this part and he really enjoys the opportunity to now be able to um, travel and have the freedom that this job uh, affords him and um, kind of just getting to be himself day in and day out and talks about all the unique and interesting people that work in the call center with him um, and uh, yeah just really interesting episode here and good to hear from the other side of the story uh, for when we are calling in angry with people uh, about how we should probably be a little bit nicer to the people on the other side of the phone so without further ado here is customer support manager joe thanks so much for coming on the show today oh no thanks for having me man it's a pleasure yeah absolutely so i think i'd like to start out with what percent of the time do you ever deal with people who are uh, neutral or happy or basically that they have any sort of emotion going that's not just um, anger and frustration? Like how much of the time <laughs> do you have to deal with just angry people? Well, um, I would say a big part of the time we have to deal with angry people. 
Uh, me personally, I'm not in the frontline stuff, so I'm not doing direct uh, customer support. I manage a, manage a team that does that. But I would say on average, yeah, I would say 60% of the people are really, really upset. Uh, but I would say the screaming part and the anger only comes in like, I would say maybe 20, 25%. So people are <laughs> the screaming. It's <people> <laughs> so great. Yeah. People are angry, but they also know that they need to be polite and most of the time we get them to 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 cooperate with us. I would I'm say. so happy to hear that. I I, I would have yeah. assumed the opposite that, you know, I mean, still, if, if honestly 20, 25% of the time people are like legitimately yelling at you guys, it's just, it's, yeah. insa- it's insane the way that people <laughs> try to like constructively handle a problem, you know, it's like, which is you should just remain totally calm and just talk through yeah. it, you know, and it's, uh, yeah. it's hard for people, I guess. Well, well, I usually say to my guys in my team, especially the ones who are just starting that no one will call us just to say that um that their holiday is going well so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they call us only when they have a problem and they cannot fix it and yeah the usually we just deal with problems as i i i'm working for my company for it will be five years now and i remember one single phone call where someone called just to say hey guys thank you for saving my holiday so whoa <laughs> that that's amazing no- <laughs> that was the one single exception, but what we try to do is to turn those people who are really hang- angry into someone who's really satisfied. And this is something that is possible. Uh, I worked as a frontline agent for two and a half years before I became a team lead. And I can say that most calls I was able to salvage the situation and at the end people were thanking me and yeah, just appreciative of what I did. So now that you are the team lead and the manager, yep. do mm-hmm. is it almost worse in terms of the people that you have to deal with? Because all I can think about is in my life experience, the times that people ask to be like that I'm around someone and I hear them get asked to be transferred to the manager or if ever I have to actually ask to be transferred to the manager. It's only happened like mm-hmm. once, I think, in my whole life. But yeah. if you're asking like, hey, I need you to I need to talk to your manager like. It's probably not because you want to tell the manager what a great time you're having to, to, to what you were True. saying earlier about just in general. Like it's because it's not going well thus far and I'm, I'm, and I'm angry and now I need to talk to your manager. Do, do you yeah. take those calls? So like the ones that get escalated come to you? Yeah, well, that's actually something I don't know how it is in other companies, but in my company, we have kind of um, a different position for, to handle those kinds of situations. So that those are the, the so-called senior executives. These are people who are, for sure, very experienced on the procedures, and they are the ones who handle those escalated calls. Okay. Uh, team leads like myself, we do more the coaching part, and we I, I can explain a bit more what I, I do specifically but the importance of understanding this is that uh, as a team lead, you can actually come straight away from outside the company and not really be fully trained on the, um, on the procedures. Of course, you have the basic training, but then you don't have the experience. So in my case, I would actually be able to help if, if anyone called and asked to speak directly to me. But we have a whole support structure behind the, the scenes. And whenever you someone needs to speak to a manager, they would actually go to the to the senior executive, not to a team lead. Okay. Um, yeah. So for us, that's that's the structure. But that being said, it's also true that uh, our frontline staff is fully trained, and they get exactly the same training as the senior executives. Nothing else. Um, and therefore, it's actually very rare that we that we transfer transfer calls to managers. What happens? 
happens most of the cases is that our guys, my, my team members, people who work in other teams, they are just able to defuse the situation themselves. And the only time that they actually need to speak to a senior executive is whenever they they need a higher payout approval. So if there's anything that goes above a certain uh, uh, approval rate, then the, the frontline staff needs to speak to a, a senior executive so that they approve the decision. Okay, so that's something I wanted to talk to you about. So yeah. how much, I guess, freedom, autonomy do your people have when when they're dealing with someone that calls in. So let's say that someone that calls in has some sort of issue and the mm-hmm. issue they feel like can be solved if let's say they get a free night at a hotel or the issue yeah. they think can be solved if they get a $100 travel voucher or something like that. Mm-hmm. Does the person on the phone, do they have any autonomy to allow these things to happen and flexibility in the things that they can offer and the things that they can say and how they handle it? Or is it like, no, you stick to this exact script. You don't really offer much um, if there needs to be like an offer or if there needs to be more, um, I don't know, flexibility or personality in the phone call. Mm-hmm. Then that's when it gets transferred to a manager who has a little bit more freedom with what they're allowed to do. So it's kind of both things. Um, the, we don't use scripts at my company at all. So whenever you called us, uh, you'll actually be having a normal conversation with someone. And you, we don't have any checklists either. So there's nothing that my guys need to say. Otherwise, they are in trouble. There's nothing that they need to follow other than our procedures, of course. That's so nice. Uh, so, yeah, it's it, it makes a difference, to be honest, in my opinion. So I think it's much better than having someone who has to stick to the plan and not change anything. Uh, but of course, the, the procedures need to be followed. And like you were saying, if someone needs to to get a, an extra night or something like this as compensation for an overbooking, let's say, uh, then there is some kind of structure and then a hierarchy that needs to be followed. And anything which is above the entry-level uh, payout approval, which in, in my case, since I'm in Europe, is 25 euros, would be the equivalent in dollars in our American offices. Uh, then they need to call the senior executives and they have a much higher payout approval and they can confirm that everything is correct, that all the procedures were followed correctly. And then the frontline staff sends the alternatives or the, the compensation to our customers. So let's talk uh, a little bit about you, Joe, and the work that you Mm -hmm. do with training and everything. So I would imagine, again, that your work is a little bit more complicated and complex than one of the more Mm -hmm. rigid call centers because of the fact that the people at your company, the people underneath you, you are allowing to have autonomy with what they're going to say. They don't have this exact talk track of what they're going to say, which I imagine has to make you be your training be that much more on point because you you know you can't just be like hey read this a hundred times and you're pretty much just going to be saying some variation of that every single time um you really need to like instill a certain certain like principles values whatever i I don't need like Mm -hmm. culture into these people um i guess talk about that sort of challenge and what you try to do to make sure that these people are going to have freedom and not somehow uh, like ruin the entire company with the freedom that they have. Yeah. So uh, starting with the challenges, um, I have to say the main one is something that comes from one of the main positive points of working for my company, which is the fact that we work with multicultural teams. So I'm Portuguese. I was born in Lisbon. Um, I live in Berlin now, so that's already uh, I'm away from my hometown. 
Uh, and in my current team, I have 16 people from 13 different countries. Uh, at least four of them, I don't speak the language. So that makes it very tricky. And I'm also supposed to do quality control for their phone calls. Uh, this makes it very hard, of course. For instance, I have a, a, a Chinese speaker in my company, which sadly I don't understand when I, when I hear uh, her uh, Chinese phone calls. However, uh, all of our frontline staff is also uh, tasked to, to handle the English line. So we don't have uh, a lot of uh, native English speakers just dealing with English. We do have some of those, of course. But most of our staff uh, will help out with the English line. And that's kind of how I do the, the quality control for those people. Um, I'm lucky enough to speak a few languages. So I'm able to do some quality control for people who speak languages that I understand. And in those situations, it's a lot about uh, understanding the context. So there are a few things that, a uh, few guidelines that we have when we do quality control, for instance, we need, to, uh, we need to say the name of the company so that people know that they are contacting us, of course. Uh, there are a few things as well in terms of security. We need to make sure 100% absolutely that um, we are speaking to the people who made the reservations and not someone else. Uh -huh. um, and those things are easy to spot, right? So it's, it's a yes or no question, kind of. I, I will be able to see if that happened or not. Everything else is very connected to the context of the call. And uh, yeah, I have personally, I have a saying that I, I, I tell my guys that everyone should be treated with intelligence and respect. And that's kind of what I expect from them. And that's what I also give to them. Uh, this means that uh, if someone is being super rude to them, I don't want them to be a punching bag either. And they are able to kind of force their ground and be like, look, this is not the proper way to treat me. But on the other hand, of course, we need to solve the problems. So we will never leave a customer hanging and with a with an issue that is is pending. So yeah, it's it's it comes a lot with experience and it comes a lot with knowing uh what ticks. And actually when I do quality quality control, uh, something that I pay a lot of attention to is what the customer is saying. So, of course, I need to make sure that the, the, the agent I'm, I'm controlling is not saying something that he shouldn't be saying, but it's very important to hear what the, the person on the other side of the line is saying and how happy they are with the, the outcome of the situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of the, the benefits, like you were saying, what, what are the cool things about it? Yeah, this freedom makes the interactions much better for the customers, but I think it also makes it much nicer for the, the stuff that, that we have here. The job is a stressful one, I have to say, because of what I was saying, there's a lot of people who call and they are quite angry. And many times you pick up the phone and you're immediately welcomed with a barrage of expletives and very loud voices to the point that we can hear it, even though we are not on the phone with the customer. Wow. Um, yeah, sometimes it happens. Uh, but yeah, you need to keep it cool. And, and in yeah, with more experience, there are some people who are never able to manage it and they just go and do some other job. Uh, but for the people who are able to do it, the it actually brings you into a more zen-like state kind of and you might be uh, being screamed at or you might be like not insulted i wouldn't say but you might feel like the, the the customer is not treating you properly but at the end of the day your focus is on solving the problem and that's what you'll do uh, 
if you had to stick to a script and someone was screaming at you, then you always would need to go and uh, stand, just say the same things and it wouldn't be helpful because the other person wouldn't be happy with what you're saying. Absolutely. This way you always, you always have a way to turn things around and somehow phrase things in a way that the customer will understand. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I never really thought about that. That is doing what you guys do. It's like every day is kind of a, a practice in the philosophy of stoicism or like Zen Buddhism yeah. or something like that. You just <laughs> you get you get to work on not letting uh you know the attitude behind something bother you and just still working on the problem. Yeah. I I've always been a very calm person, but I have to say I feel even calmer after two and a half years as a frontline agent. Oh, that's great. I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> like you said, I guess it's gonna weed it weed people out. It's like well, either that would a job like that would do one of two things to you. It's either gonna make you carry a lot of anxiety with you all the time and feel more anxious yeah. and more stressed, or it's just going to uh yeah, like kind of make you hardened and make you uh like yeah, just the most amazing stoic person ever. Yeah, I think it's if you think like it's if you compare it to a nurse, a nurse is doing stuff that I would pass out every day if I did <laughs> the nurse's job. Yeah, and for them it's just natural. So for us, it's also natural to to deal with people who are angry and stressed. So you mentioned um, not you know not expecting your employees to be punching bags if people are being rude to them. Yeah. Do you have any examples um, from either? stories of your employees or back from your two years when you were on the front lines of mm -hmm. kind of how you can and are supposed to handle that when someone is just being a total a-hole yeah well I, I actually have a story from my own experience i had once a person uh who informed me she was actually very calm but she informed me that she was going to the police and report me as the person who stole her credit card and made a reservation <laughs> that's great so yeah yeah that was a, an interesting one and uh yeah i i was uh, i was already in that zen light zen like state that i was mentioning and <laughs> i was able to keep it really cool and i, I you know most be, i think her point was like to make me nervous and to change the, the the statement that i had just made and at the end of the of her whole sentence was a, a long outburst that she was saying that she will go to the police and ta -da -da. I just told her, look, I'm in Germany. You are across the, the Atlantic in Brazil. I can prove that I have not been in Brazil. So if you go to the police and to tell them that, um, that I stole your credit card, you'll actually be lying to the police. So you'll be in trouble with the law and not myself. So <laughs> that what, was an, quite in, a... what a bizarre situation <laughs> for you to have to be put in. Like, well, it's insane yes. to like say a statement like that out, you know, for you to say a statement like that and just to be like, what is going on that I just <laughs> had to say that out loud? Yeah, yeah, it was a, a very odd one, I have to say. It was the only time that I had such a situation. But actually, it worked really well because suddenly she realized how silly she was being. And she was like, oh, okay, then, yeah, I think you're being reasonable. So thank you for trying. And she hung up. So we, we were able to defuse the situation. That's so great. What about people that are just <laughs> being more straightforward, rude, like calling you names and stuff, as opposed to saying, hey, I'm really frustrated with the way this is mm -hmm. going, saying, like, you're a piece of crap because you're not helping me out, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah, with cursing, it's um, we have kind of a standard that we, we always do. Uh, we have, first of all, to inform the customer at least once that we are not appreciative of the way they are talking to us and that if they keep on doing it, we will hang up the call. 
if they keep on doing it, then we we are allowed to hang up the call. And this is what I tell all my guys. It's something that uh, in the end, they are not being paid to be insulted. They are being paid to help people. And therefore, yeah, if, if it happens, go ahead, hang up the call. What you need to do is to inform the person that you're doing. So you cannot just hang up like that, right? Uh, as long as you keep it professional and you don't start screaming over them and everything, it's absolutely fine, at least in my company, to do so. Yeah, that's good. That's really, really good. Yeah. Are there any, while we're on the topic of various stories and stuff like that, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think that perhaps the woman wanting to call the cops on you would take the cake yeah. for this. But what are some of your other kind of like favorite, just like bizarre stories that aren't even necessarily like the person being rude? It's just really weird. Like th maybe their request is weird or anything like that. Yeah. Well, I have one I think takes the cake over the one that I just told you, actually. It didn't happen to me. It happened to a friend of mine. Um, so basically, as I said, we are uh, handling cases based on the languages. And uh, this guy received a phone call from Thailand about an Italian guest. So it was a bit bizarre because my friend is from Hungary and he doesn't speak either Thai or Italian. He was quite confused with this, uh, but then the whole situation was clarified. So what happened was this Italian guest had uh, uh, booked um, a villa in Thailand and they had arrived. And the next day, the police uh, just knocked at their door. And what happened is really a, a cr crazy, creepy story. Uh, what happened was the police informed them that they needed to leave because the owner of the, the property was actually allegedly, uh, well, she was a suspect of killing her husband oh, whoa. and ha having buried the husband under the property. Whoa. So, <laughs> yeah, so my Hungarian friend actually had to deal with this because the owner was Hungarian. And yeah, when my, when our customer, um, was woken up by the police. He had to leave and he was trying to reach the owner, but the owner had ran away with his passport. So the whole thing was a big, big mess. Of course, we cannot handle police duties. Uh, so our focus was simply to put this customer in a different place. But yeah, that was a really odd story. Uh, but it has actually an even funnier uh, ending because this customer was so happy that uh, he actually applied to work for us and he's a member of my team. So he no works for way. our company. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's so great. Yeah, he was like a mythical creature at, at our office. And like two years later, he applied, he joined my team and then he was telling me that, oh, yeah, this happened to me as a customer. And I was like, man, you are a myth in this company. <laughs> and I was uh, like sharing it with all my colleagues. But yeah, he said it was such a cool experience that when he was looking for a job, he decided like, let's try with them. And he's still there. He's loving it. What sorts of hours do you guys work, Joe? Is it like a typical eight hour day? Or are you guys working like 12 hours a day, four days a week or something? So this depends a lot. Uh, my company has offices around the world and it depends on local legislation. So here in Germany, it's eight and a half hours with one hour break. So actually in total, you work seven and a half hours. Uh, I know, for instance, in the American offices that we have, that the, you have the option to work 10 hours, four days. So you always need to work 40 hours per week. But in the US, you can choose between either working eight hours, five days or 10 hours. Uh, four days a week that's great uh yeah then yeah we have offices all over the world so there are other places that have different legislation for my office it's yeah five days a week and eight hours a day or seven and a half and yeah then we have the option to work part-time and that's actually something that a lot of people take 
is doing the part-time work. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then is that super variable or is all, are all the part-time workers like on pretty much the same schedule? No, it depends. We have, it's very common that people work part-time then only on the weekends because you get paid extra in Germany if you work on weekends and then it's kind of compensating uh, mm. in that sense. Yeah. Uh, but it can vary. So there, it, it depends. People do part-time because they're studying or because they have children, whatever reason, uh, they, they you, you can kind of fit it within your schedule and yeah, then you have some dedicated days off and you can plan your life around it. And is everyone at your company uh, still having to go into an office or are people working remotely? Uh, we test a lot of things and I know that in some offices uh, in the UK, they were actually testing some remote work, but the great majority of us are actually working in an office. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The reason for this is precisely like we want to have this... Uh, connection to the to the company and this engagement and if you have people that just come to the office to get training for a month and then they go and work from home at the end of the day it doesn't work precisely because we don't have scripts and you need to have this kind of quick thinking and learn from each other uh, you need to have people around you to support yeah absolutely that's a really good point yeah it, it, yep. if the more, I guess, freedom that you allow people on the phone, the more that they need to be around other people to make sure, like, okay, we're all sort of culturally heading in the same direction. Um, exactly. And you don't just have some, like, rogue person saying God knows what on the phone <laughs> because they're by themselves at home all day. Yeah, and it's also since we work based on languages, and as you can imagine, there's a lot of international travel. So, for instance, if you get a phone call from, uh, let's say, a Portuguese a customer who wants to travel to Japan, I will not be able to speak in Japanese to a property, so I will need to be in contact with a Japanese speaker who will then reach out to the property. So, of course, we could still do this over the phone if I was working from home, but within an office context, it's much easier. Yeah, for sure. What is the pay like for what you guys do? So, for my position, um, uh, this is it would be like a third tier position. I'm earning around thirty five thousand US dollars. So I, I, I'm getting paid in euro, but that's that would be the equivalent. And as a frontline agent, you get around twenty six, twenty seven thousand dollars per year. Okay, and that's working we, forty hours a week. You were saying forty hours a week, yeah. But then we have some cool benefits. So then this is the base pay, and. And on top of that, you get a quarterly bonus based on your performance. So the better you perform, the, the more money you take home at the end of the quarter. What and we would have your really performance cool. be exactly? So for myself or for a frontline? Uh, both. So both. yeah, for myself, uh, it's based on the performance of the team. So uh, I'm judged by the performance of my guys. And that's kind of the, the motivation I have to motivate them as well. And that's how that's how it works. Um, it's also about uh, we are kind of evaluated by our managers uh, on how well you represent the the values of the company. So that's a big part of it as well. And for frontline staff, we have some key performance indicators. So it's all about the the main important one is the um, the customer satisfaction, of course. So some customers, when they reach out to us afterwards, they will get an email asking. This, it's this typical survey I'm pretty sure everybody already received asking, hey, how did this person do? Can you give us an, some information on how it went? So that's the main indicator. But then we also have some others related to work efficiency and how well you are working. And yeah, you're not supposed to spend like one full day on one single case because otherwise you have 300 other people waiting on the line. Right, of course. 
I've always wondered with surveys and stuff like that, the same mm-hmm. way that you guys already have kind of a negative bias with the people they're calling in, right? Like nobody mm-hmm. except for that one person is calling in to be like, hey, Joe, I just wanted to say hi. I'm having a really yeah. good time <laughs> on my trip right now. And thanks. Like no one's really yeah. doing that. You know, like you're only no getting one. people that are having problems. I would imagine yeah. that exact same sort of bias would exist a little bit on the survey side that mm-hmm. is, sure there's a certain amount of people that maybe just had the best freaking customer experience experience of their life and uh they like feel so compelled to fill out the survey but i would imagine a lot of the times like if the surveys are going to get filled out by people that feel like it didn't really go as it should have or or i wish mm-hmm. it would have gone better yeah i'm going to fill out this survey and let them know that it wasn't as good as it should have been or something and everyone is just going to kind of be negatively impacted by that yeah, it happens so often you cannot imagine. Like it's really something very common. Our surveys specifically say, uh, "How did Joao perform?" For instance, and people will write, "He was fine, but I'm really dissatisfied with the hotel." So here's a negative evaluation, and this <laughs> yeah. this actually has impact on the bonus of the person. So that's something. Whenever you are filling one of those surveys, you should think about because it might be that the guy actually tried to help you, but he couldn't. Yeah. Uh, but what I tell my guys as well is that our number one job is to fix the problems. The second, the second most important task we have is if we cannot fix them, we need to inform why. So to explain the reason. So a very common thing in our business in hotel reservations is that people book reservations which are non-refundable, and it's very clearly stated there that you cancel and uh, that you cannot cancel and that it's just impossible that you get your money back once you book it right mm-hmm. it's of course cheaper so the hotels do this it's a it's a very sterile, uh, standard business practice that this is a cheaper rate because of course then the hotels know that this person is guaranteed instead of having the risk of them canceling at the last minute we get a lot of requests for this we get people saying look my my cat died my grandmother died my, it was my dog who made the reservation we hear <laughs> everything every single day really like how many I, I i lost count of how many cats were able to grab key uh, credit card details and <laughs> go on the keyboard and do do reservations in those cases um, when we are not allowed to cancel ourselves we need to speak to the property and a lot of properties will say no because those are the conditions they set and then of course our uh, our agents need to go back to the customer and say, look, it's not possible because this and this and this. And of course you are never very. I guess no one is happy about losing three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars for a reservation you're not going to use, right? So yeah, and those things it's a lot about educating people and be like, look, if you go and see your confirmation, it says there that you are not allowed to do this. Yeah, I would love to. <laughs> it would be I can I can guarantee you we would love to be able to do this because it would make our customers happier and our life easier. But we just can't. It's we are not allowed by the the partners that we have. There's so just such a cases, horrible like worldwide epidemic of lack of accountability. Like nobody just wants to take responsibility for themselves. You know, it's like yeah. like oh I don't want to lose the three hundred bucks. So what are you going to do about it? It's like well what you should be saying to yourself is what am I going to do about it next time so I don't lose three hundred bucks again? Because clearly yeah. I blew it by you know not having travel insurance or not. Um, you know, it's just, yeah, it's silly. Exactly. And in those situations when you cannot do anything, it's really just the job of my, of my guys is to tell them, to tell the customer, 
look, this is what you booked. These are the conditions. I cannot go beyond those conditions. And yeah, in some situations, there are really some sometimes really tragic stories that someone's grandmother actually died and they cannot travel. And in those cases, we need to have a lot of empathy. That's one of the main qualities that you have to have to do this job. But uh, yeah, if, if we are not allowed, we're not allowed and we just need to explain it. And yeah, when the survey comes, hopefully we're able to explain it well enough that the person is actually not angry at you. Yeah. And they understand that the situation is not because you don't want to help. Yeah, definitely. You can't have them tanking your entire bonus just because, yeah, yeah, things didn't go their way. Uh, Joe, what yep. do you think is a like a big misconception that you think people would have about what you guys do or the type of people you guys are or anything like that? Hmm. Well, I think the main biggest misconception is that this is a job that people just have when they're uneducated. And that's really, really, really different nowadays. Maybe in the beginning when this industry started, it was like that. But nowadays we have very educated people. Uh, in my office, I, we have people who have master's degrees with PhDs. And like we have everything from sculptors to bioengineers, literally. And yeah, people have different reasons to be doing this job. It, a lot of people actually do it because this way they are earning some money while they are able to continue studying. This is a job that doesn't require to, to bring your work home. So when you're done, you're done. That's a, a very big advantage of yeah, this job. Definitely. And well, at the frontline one, because as a manager, you actually need to prepare stuff and you need to, to do some homework from time to time. But uh, that is one advantage. And a lot of people also come just because it's a, a good entry-level job. You know, nowadays, there's always this thing that you are never having enough experience to get the job, but no one gives you the experience. And this is a good way to start. And we have a lot of people who do that. They do this job for two, three years, and then they actually start their careers, either within the company or they, they find something else that they find better for themselves. Hmm. That would be a, a big misconception. And I think it's the same about uh, actually the team lead position. Uh, in my case, I'm an internal team lead. So I started as a frontline agent myself. But uh, yeah, it, I actually have a lot of skills that are relevant to this job. So it's not like a job that you don't have to have any skills. I mentioned earlier that you have to have a lot of empathy. So you need to be someone who's every, uh, whose sense of diplomacy somehow is very, very acute and you need to be able to handle people very well. So when I mentioned the nurse earlier today, it's actually something which is similar. You need to be able to take care of people and you need to like it. So if you're not a people person, you shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> uh, trust me. And um, another thing which I think is quite important and it's different because, for instance, when you were saying you're contacting your internet provider, then it's maybe something uh, it's a company that is only dealing with one market, but when it's something related to travel, it's a global business. So the more languages you know, the better. That's something that you should also consider. And yeah, some people are only speaking English at our company, but most people, they are at least bilingual. And for a manager like myself, it's better if you even know more languages because yeah, you'll have a lot of people that you need to check and if you are able to do it in their own language, it's much better. Man, that's got to, I feel like, lead to a really cool sort of culture and office culture, everything that you just said. Like, yeah. 
it's um it's nice that you have this congregation of interesting educated people that have come together for each person like their own sort of personal reason you know that they're there at that time yeah. and that point in their lives and some of them maybe want to go further with this and do some sort of career with it but some of them also don't you know like and they yeah. have this degree in science or whatever it is and but they're here right now and that makes for interesting conversation and that makes for diversity in the workplace and it's, i um i just think back like when i was in in my prior life it, like mm-hmm. everyone was 90% of the people were like cookie cutter copies of each other you know like yeah. similar background we're all here we've all been doing this for 10 years or whatever you know and and most jobs are like that you know um yeah. what a cool thing that the amount of diversity that you guys have in what you're doing yeah definitely uh i have a similar story actually to yours i actually studied law and i worked as a lawyer for 5 years and it was exactly like you were saying. I actually lived in the U.S. as well, but I was working in Portugal for most of the time. And most of my friends and all of my co-workers were Portuguese. And they all went almost all to the same law school. So just like you were saying, cookie cutter, everybody fell on the same road. And we were following a bit like lemmings, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, um, at the end of the day, I, I always traveled a lot. So that was one of the reasons why I wanted to live in other countries. And um, a lot of people at my company do that. They are in Berlin because it's the coolest town in Europe and they come to party for one, two years, just live a good life. This job is something that they, they are happy to do for one or two years. Then they keep on doing, uh, I don't know, marine biology. Or I have someone in my, my team who's leaving now because she's going to research sheep. So we really have <laughs> a very broad spectrum. Yeah. And yeah, another very important reason that people are coming to, to Berlin was the reason why I'm here actually is because of love. So a lot of people nowadays, you know, you don't date just people who are living in the same city. So you meet someone who is doing some international exchange program, you fall in love and then you decide, hey, why not just go to their country? Yeah. It's actually what I did. My wife is German. I'm in Berlin because of her and honestly I am super happy here that's awesome congratulations yeah. hell yeah <laughs> yeah I mean sometimes you know like I was saying I, I did law for five years it's something that you earn more of course and it's something that if you think about it is a more prestigious job but at the end of the day for me at least what's important is that you are happy with your life and I can honestly say that whenever I had to wear a suit and a tie, I was felt like I had to to play a role that it wasn't really myself. It was yes. lawyer Joao. Yeah. And now I'm able to go to my office with my longboard and uh, shorts and tennis shoes, and I'm just having the time of my life. For me, yeah, with specifically with law, it's like you are kind of bound to the legal system that you studied. And yeah, I, I've always been a very internationalized person. I've been to over 60 countries by now. And that was one of my drivers in life, right? So I felt like it makes no sense that I will end up dying in the same place where I was born. So yeah, I decided to take the chance, move to Germany, join a company that is famous for being so international. Yeah. And my office, we have about 300 people and they're probably from over 50 countries. So whenever we have an office party, which is also one of our benefits, by the way, uh, yeah, you just sit down and you speak to someone from China. And the next time you sit down and you speak with someone from Colombia or from Venezuela. 
And you learn so much. Not only you get new places to visit, but you learn so much about different cultures. It's really, it's a life-enhancing experience, I have to say. I love it. Joe, let's go ahead and finish this thing up, man. So rather Mm -hmm. than give advice for how to get a job like this, which I assume is, you know, just apply to a Mm company, like search out a company and apply to them. um, What advice can we give people? Like, let's try to help a a much larger swath of people here. And what advice can we give to people (laughs) that are consumers that are making calls into companies and they're speaking to somebody in customer service and they have their own personal goal and they want to get some sort of concession or whatever it is. Just what advice can we give to people making their phone calls into customer service lines to just try to help things go a little bit more smoothly? I would say the main advice I can give in that situation is to be kind. Uh, Most people think that uh, if you become like, uh, if you start the conversation in a very aggressive tone, then people will be intimidated. But people who do this job, they are actually trained to do it and they are doing their best. So what you can be sure is that if you are kind, you will actually be noticed more than if you are being rude to someone. And yeah, even if you are rude, you'll get get whatever you need done, or at least, as I said, explain why you can. It it cannot be done. It's our job to sort, sort it out for you. But people will definitely pay more attention to you if you're being kind. And there's also, it's not just about that. It's also about making sure that the person who you are dealing with has an easier time. Because if you are screaming at someone, they will not be able to check the case properly. Mm. And let's imagine, for instance, uh, going back to one thing that I said before, uh, one of the jobs of my guys is to... Whenever there's a, an overcharge, they need to, to make sure that the bank statement is correct and that all the details are correct so that we can process the refund, right? If you're, imagine trying to read the bank statement while someone is screaming at you. It doesn't work well, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. As you can imagine, it's just not going to work. So if you are being rude and if you're, being, if you're screaming, if you're cursing, what will happen is that there's a higher chance of uh, uh, one of my guys making a mistake and the whole process instead of being sorted out within one hour might take a week because of a simple mistake that could be avoided so if anyone is hearing this my main advice please be kind because it it will get paid back yeah love it good advice man good life advice (laughs) sure go ahead just connected to that i have i have to say one of my favorite music lyrics of all time is um from a portuguese band and they say something like you you should remember that you cannot uh, that water can make uh, that can wear a rock thin, but you cannot break water. So it's actually better if you are flexible and easy than if you are just like hard as a rock because it won't take you so far. Yeah, Bruce Lee, man, be like water. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Bruce Lee style. <laughs> yeah, Joe, thank you so much, man, for coming on the show. This has been really interesting. We appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, Just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ID 
ideas for the show, be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview, a particular field that you would like to hear about, or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.